Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, great to have you with me. I'm Aaron Noonan. This is the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. You can get it at Repco in Australia and New Zealand, as well as a range of other auto stores. Well, if you enjoyed part one of my chat with Tony Cochran, you're going to love this because it's part two of my chat with Tony Cochran. There's lots of topics that come up in this episode. TC likes the look of the Gen 3 cars. We talk about his feelings on the fans of supercars being looked after more. Some of the things he learned from his time in the AFL system with the Gold Coast Suns as chairman and how one thing in particular could be applied to supercars. We delve into that topic. I've got to tell you, it wasn't one that I was planning on talking about, but we kind of got there anyway. We talk about footy, we talk about Farnsey as well, and plenty more, including your National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions. Anyway, enough of me chatting. Let's pick up the chat with TC, which he was fantastic enough, by the way, to host at his place on the Gold Coast. So settle in, enjoy this one. It's part two of Tony Cochran on the V8 Salute podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. What was left undone? What was left that you didn't quite get around to doing before you left supercars that an itch that wasn't quite scratched or a project that wasn't quite finished or a, a goal that wasn't quite realised. Because I, I know how big Sydney was to you to go race around the streets of Homebush. Yeah. Some of those overseas venues, the Adelaide event. Yeah, there's a couple that didn't work along the way, the Canberra thing. Canberra thing did, didn't definitely work. didn't work. I got um, done over well and truly there. It was my stupidity. I, was, I, I should have thought still, about the time of the year. I think I'm still thawing out from the last one. Yeah, well, that was the um, problem. Oh, one of the problems. What, what did you have left that you just didn't quite get around to or didn't quite – you ran out of time on or, or that uh, was left undone? To be honest, after 17 years I was beat. I was done. Um, were you sick of the new owners or were they sick of you or a bit of both? Uh, I would have killed one of them or they would have killed me. So um, that was a, a really painful six months. I hated it. I really hated it. Um, did you hate it because you weren't in charge? Well, they weren't listening. I went from being told at the start of that year when they were wanting to buy us that, you know, that I was a genius and I had all the answers and, you know, I would build a hell of a business and, you know, I was um, the smarts to six months later not wanting to listen to my thoughts and opinions almost on any subject. And uh, the big fight really blew up over TV rights, which was an unmitigated disaster for the business. And quite frankly, it's only been in recent years the businesses sort of, you know, probably in the James Warburton era started to revive uh, from their disaster they had by their stupid um, handling of the TV deal um, around the time after I left and uh, or shortly after I left. Which to tell people, that was the, the television deal with Seven was ending at the end of 2012, which I think that was the year you left. Yeah. And... They ended up pretty much with no deal there. They ended up with no deal, not pretty much no deal. They had to go begging back to Seven, who I, I had a I had a handshake agreement with uh, Bruce McWilliam, who's still at Seven. He's still the commercial director at Seven, uh, who's a great bloke. And I, I, I had a handshake deal with Bruce for we were going to go forward with a new $37 million deal and um, the um, 
the new owners um, with their geniuses advising them believe that the new rights should be worth anywhere between 50 and $60 million. And, and the then new CEO who they insisted on putting in the chair um, you know, concurred with that opinion and um, believed that collectively that's what they would get. Um, and of course, but there's uh, no other network interested. Oh, was, the whole thing was a debacle. So I mean, in the I, end, they went back to seven. But basically, because you know, the, the thing about stuff like that is, you know, I mean, love me or hate me, a lot of people in the industry knew me very, very well, and they were back briefing me for the next six months on what was going on behind the scenes. And I, truthfully, I was mortified. And I'll tell you why I was mortified. I still had money invested in the thing. Hmm. So, so you still I, now, or you not? Oh no, so it's out. No, yeah. no. I, when the, when it was sold out, that was the end of my journey. Um, but. Um, you know, it was a mess. It was just, it was just a mess. And and what you know, I think my wife's well on the record. You know, she said you've either got to get out because you're either going to kill one of them or they're going to kill you. And um, so it was kind of really the my last six months, probably the or my last four months in there were really shitty. And um, uh, you know, I hated it and. You know, it, it's something – it had been my baby, you know, love me or hate me, it had been my baby and, and I'd really worked my ass off to make it a great success and um, uh, I was I was really let down by some of the people that didn't support me at the time. Um, I've sort of got over it since. Although from that comment you'd suggest perhaps <laughs> I haven't. But, uh, but you know, um, and I, I just couldn't believe that some of the decisions being made. But anyway, I, you know – I got the hell out. Kind of that deal, and I'm always interested in the TV rights and the t- the business of the sport probably has interested in me more as I've got older than when I was younger, probably mm-hmm. a natural thing. So in essence that kind of – tell me your opinion on this, just my opinion, give me yours. That deal there, the one that – and to the fan they didn't know that it was still on Channel 7, we went into the car of the future 2013 and it mm-hmm. all looked the same as per the year before. But the, basically the rights deal that was done because Seven sat on their hands quite rightly as a business and went, there's no one else bidding. We're not going to just throw a pile of money that we've got. So no the bidding. rights, despite the fact the TV ratings were going up and the network was making good profit on the sport, the rights dropped by 40%. Because there was no one to bid against. They didn't have to do anything. It came back to them. They mishandled it so badly. The rights went from about, I can't remember the exact figures now, but circa the rights went from $29 million down to $16 million. Mm-hmm. And right. then they ended up two years later when that deal finished. Going the back. The Fox Sports deal. Yeah, well, came and credit to James Warburton. He he dragged them screaming across mm. the line. I think, they were, I think they were too scared to, you know, fuck it up a second time. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, James was in the chair. He was in the CEO's chair by that stage and and obviously a guy who understands and knows well the media landscape mm. and, and, you know, it's clearly done a great job at Seven since he's been back there as the CEO. So, um, you know, he, 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 he righted the ship and in terms of TV rights, I don't know what they went back to, but it was sort of 40 million-ish. So it was a massive, massive fix-up, but you know the damage was done. I mean, there was a financial damage unleashed on the team land for uh, it took years to get over. And then they had to build new cars as well. So there was you know a whole another change that, that sure. came there. That came there. One of the things when you you left, I think you stayed pretty quiet for a fair while, and then a few journos clearly were always you know what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Have you say? Have you say? 
you had other things you were doing. You, you know, the, the Gold Coast stuff came a bit later with the footy and um, you had plenty of events and entertainment and stuff going on as well. But was there a point where you, you sat back and watched it all? And, I mean, it's really easy to be a it was better in my day guy and all that stuff that can happen and that can be the, the impression that people have, you know, when you comment on anything from, you know, the bleachers as you are now compared to where the where you were right in the sport before. But was there something that changed over time that you did start to do some more interviews and you did start to give no, your opinion I, a bit I mean, more on V8s? I, I, you know, look, I don't think it's a great secret. I'm a bit outspoken. I don't mind <laughs> really? telling people what I think. Um, but I see, I just see that as being honest. I just see that as being authentic. I, I, I can't stand people that are being interviewed that are just sprouting bullshit. I mean, don't don't talk. Mm. If you're not going to answer the question honestly and be authentic about your answer, shut the F up. You can say fuck, it's okay. Uh, well, I think I already probably did, knowing <laughs> me. But, but, but look, the truth of the matter is, so I, I intentionally stayed quiet for quite some time and that was my decision. I, I, right, I'm right, I'm out of this, I'm going to be right out of it. Right, and then of course, over a period of time, people drive you nuts. Exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's ha- the same's happening now in football. I would get, you know, anywhere between low end three and high end twenty media requests a week in football landscape. For your th- comment on what do I think about whatever you know, not just Gold not Coast just sons, the Gold Coast Suns, because because I you know when I was a president, I had an opinion about which I believe every president should have, by the way. I had an opinion about the footy landscape generally because I think it's in all our interests to protect it and to grow it and to argue it and and have good I, – I, see, I don't have anything – I've never had a problem with a good solid debate. I think debate's healthy. I think, you know, two or three people having a solid debate in disagreement with each other actually quite often brings out the best result. Mm. So um, that's where I come from anyway, whether people like it or don't like it. I'm too old and grumpy now to give a shit. Um, they, they can have any opinion they like about it. But, you know, I, I got to a point in time where, where people were wanting me to comment about things that clearly were, you know, up the spout and I jumped in and started to make the odd comment. I didn't, didn't overdo it. I didn't start. One thing I haven't done is rush back to events, you know. I watched it on TV spasmodically for a period of time. But because I felt my baby had been so injured by some stupid, dumbass decisions, which I, were the, what were the the bannerhead? Ah, oh, so what's the point now? It's like digging over oh, old, no, no, old but, potatoes, is that? But, you know, but, but I'm sure there wasn't everything was a disaster. But there was no, a couple no, of key, no, there was key some, pivotal because it's a really easy thing for everyone to paint you as throwing mud on everything. It's all shit. It's all crap. Well, I, I, I certainly never did that because no, I, don't, I wouldn't. I don't believe people that. who think that feel that. But yeah. there's you know. Uh, what anything that you say negative will be the thing that's the headline and it will be pulled out of. Yeah, of course. You, know, you could say two hours of great things and one yeah. and a half minutes of yeah. total unleashing, and the one yeah. and a half minutes is the bit that gets the the run. Yeah, because that's what some you know journalist is going to run with because they think that's going to score the most in these days hits or clicks. I think clicks, it is. Yeah, clicks, yeah, 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 um, clicks. Yeah. Uh, on their magic way, they you know look. Um, Oh, look, I don't know, and I don't really care. I guess you know. I'm, I'm as I said before. I, I've always been authentic. I've always tried to just be honest about things. And if I think something's really good, I'll say it's so. like the new cars look fantastic. That I think they're the best looking V8 supercar, supercar, Group A car, touring car, whatever expression you want to use. So don't offend anybody. Mm, yeah, these are the best looking weapons ever devised. I think they look fantastic. And and again you know, being positive about a negative in the sport at the moment, 
you know, people saying, oh, you know, they, they, they've got this problem and they've got that problem and they've, you know, give the guys a bit of a break. It's a brand new everything for the first time in, what, 40-odd years. Uh, of course it's going to take a year or two to flush it out and get it really right and work out the right tyres and, and work out, you know, <laughs> the right, you know, front arrow or the back arrow or, or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's not in anyone's best interest that they would want to have it being that way. Everyone would no, want it to be great from the start. These are, these are genuine things that need to be flushed out and sorted out. And, yes, I understand there's some frustration in team land when these things take time and, you know, the, the magic parody word gets booted around the table as it did endlessly in my time. Uh, and, I, and I can't comment about and nor do I want to comment about, you know, that the brakes need to be this or the tyre pressure needs to be that or the, the, the you know, the steering wheel needs to be this. Uh, it's not, it's, 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 world, it's, 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 it's not my world. It's not my gig. Yeah. All, all I care about is what is a fan sitting up there in the grandstand, what does he think? Mm. What What's going to impress him? And, and I can give a thousand examples of that story and I already have well and truly in the past so I won't give another one. But, you know, that that's really for me what the mission was all about and you, you can get smart people to work out the technical crap, you know, and, and they'll always disagree and argue with each other anyway because that's part of the nature <laughs> that's of it. That's what they do. <laughs> that's what they do. That's what they're paid to do actually. Mm. So, I, you know, there's a lot of things they're doing right. I think the new management is a, a, a much better structure than a, what, what it was. Um, I think that, you know, honestly, I think the deal that the new management it did buying it out wasn't the right deal. I think it's too weighted in team land now. I think that, that, you know, fans out there are confused. Why are you only doing 12 races a year? Well, they're only doing 12 races a year because the new manifest limits them to 12 races a year. To do an extra race, the cost is so prohibitive um, that it makes it difficult. Now, maybe no, Because all 24, 5 cars, team <laughs> owners have to be paid yeah, to correct. go and race again. And, but not only get paid, get seriously paid. So some of this stuff um, is – it has been poorly done. I mean, that's just the bottom line of it. How that deal wasn't done with a minimum of 15 races a year, I don't know, but it wasn't. It was done at 12 and now they're fighting like all oh, tooth and nail to try and increase it because the fan base rightly is upset. Um, so, yeah, look, you know, when you know what's going on behind the scenes a bit, like I even still do today, you know, you can understand why there's some frustration going on and, um, but, look, overall I think they're doing a better job. I think the cars are sensational. They'll, they'll get their shit together and, you know, I mean I'm slowly sort of warming back into the pie a little bit and I'd like to see the fans taken into the equation a little bit more than they are. Um, in, in what way could that happen? Because I know that there's – I think there's been a fan council before. I think NASCAR have it in the States where – Yeah, they do. And supercars did have one of those briefly and I wasn't involved. Yeah, I don't know whether you need to formalise it. it. See, I don't think no, you need no, to formalise it. I think it, you get a pretty good gauge of what the fan base – and look, I could probably give you six topics that punters, fans, call them what you will – will post about regularly on social media. Now, that's that's a percentage of the overall population of race fans, but the things that annoy them or the things that they like or the things that they want to see or the things that they – they hate time certain finishes generally. They want numbers back on the sides of cars because you can't read them. Um, all, all these little things that – do they change things 
Are they big changes on their own? No. But they're all little things that irk people that could be easily tweaked and tuned so my, because then it just takes away them from worrying about it. So my easy question, my easy question to that is why, why, not? Not, why not? Why not give it to them? If they're minor things, why not give it to them? Do, does it really matter that a big number appears on the side of the car? Is it going to earth-shattering can change put the world? Can your sticker sponsors either side? I mean, it? you know, come on. Come on. Um, and, and these are the things that I'm talking about that, you know, you've got to make the effort with. You've got to, you know, it's it's the same in AFL world. You know, you cannot allow the debacle of what happened in Adelaide last weekend, you know, with the oh. goal, shot on goal. So you know, this podcast is going to air a little bit after we this has happened. We've had the chat, but for those who didn't see it, so the Adelaide Crows kick a goal to yeah, put them in front with a minute Sydney to go. With a minute to go, it's actually called a behind because the goal umpire deems that it's touched the post on the way yeah, through, which it hadn't. Which the TV replays show quite clearly that it hadn't. But of course, it's too late to change it or to do anything, and it has consequences for the finals and for other teams and for yeah, not just one single team in one single moment. It. You know, well, I mean, big, big t- and the whole thing about having a review system and a, some replays and all that is to actually stop those things from ever happening. But, yeah, I mean, you, 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 you've, you've, if you want to be genuine with your fan base, you've got to fix that crap. That crap shouldn't go on. So no, 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 that was, and I'm not even an Adelaide Crows fan. Not no, I don't fan. think it's got anything to do with being a, a Crows fan. I mean, the Crows fans rightly should mm. feel rightly royal pissed totally. off but totally. but you know it's it's bad it's bad for the sport full stop yeah so no. I, I i don't see it as an adelaide crows problem i see it as a sport problem you floated your dog's come to say hello by the way um, he's a very friendly the, dog the, who's this more Who friendly than the is owner this, is this oreo yeah so this is what I, I looked up the cochrane entertainment website and describes Oreo as the chief wellness officer of the, your business. He is. He's the only person on the planet who keeps me sane. He's he's very lovely. What sort of dog <laughs> is he? Oh, I don't know. He's a bit of everything. He's a bit of everything. He's gorgeous. He's sitting here next to me and very happy cop, with copping life. copping a free pat here. He's, yeah, uh, he'll he's just he'll just cop that all day. He's just <laughs> sniffing out the microphones and the the power leads. A um, couple of uh, a few things I want to race through. Um, he's much nicer than time. I am. You sure? Yeah, have you, have you mellowed a little bit in your older age? No, no, you got you gone up. No, I same. think I'm about the same. About the same. About yeah. the same. Oh, well, you consistent. Um, you did float. Uh, I did a little bit of homework before I came to see you. You did float a budget cap for supercars a couple of years ago, and it was something that they did look at mid two thousands. Mm. You've got experience with salary cap with the AFL and how that all works, and the whole aim of it is to try to even it out so as teams go up and yeah. teams come down and a draft and. I think there's a lot of things from other sports that don't work in our world no, of supercars. But Formula One, the category of all motorsports that mm. I never thought would do something like that did do it. Mm-hmm. Should we look at doing that in yeah, some I, form more relevant? Yeah, I, I do. And I've, you know, I've I'm probably become more and more to that way of thinking after my nine years in the AFL system that, um, you know, there's, there's – so if I just talk about – AFL for a moment, there's a lot to be said. One of the factors that AFL get incredibly right, in my opinion, is what I call the um, equalisation of the sport. So what does that mean? That means there's a number of rules around the fact that you won't be stuck permanently at the bottom of the ladder, right? Um, You can hopefully over time work your way from the bottom towards the top. I'm not saying you're going to go top. It doesn't guarantee your premiership or anything like that, but it it, it enables um, that process to take place. Now, why am I so keen on that? People say he's so keen on that because he was the president of the Gold Coast Suns and they were down towards the bottom. 
the truth is it's got nothing to do with the Gold Coast Suns. It's got everything to do with the fan again. Every fan of Australian rules football deserves their moment in the sun. Mm. So I, I I don't want to see a system that disadvantages the St Kilda fans any more than it disadvantages the West Coast Eagles fans or disadvantages the Collingwood fans or disadvantages the Sydney fans, the Swans fans. So um, the beauty of equalisation, it does give everybody over a 10-year period a chance to regroup and hopefully go back up. Now, how far you get back up and how much success you have, that's a whole heap of things affect that. But at least this gives you the opportunity. And I believe every fan of every football team gets should deserve that opportunity, right? That window opening. That window opening. Well, you've been rubbish for a bit, but because you've been down the bottom of the ladder, you get access to the higher draft picks. So therefore the better young players that are coming into the league. Yeah. And over time they get a bit more experience and they develop and grow and grow and grow. Your team gets better, you go up the ladder and if you do it well and if your footy department and your coaches and your your whole world works, you get to the finals, yeah, and you, so you get a premiership and then over time you don't get the best draft picks anymore, your blokes retire, you fall back down a bit. Yeah, you do it all again. that's what's about to happen to Geelong. It's what's happened in the last two seasons to West Coast Eagles. Um so that that's a pretty good system, and um, you know, and enables you to you know if now if I can talk about this, the Suns' particular experience that I think that we really got right, and uh, Damien Hardwick's about to become the big beneficiary of, is that um, uh, Mark Evans, the CEO there, and I fought very hard six years ago with the AFL to fund, help us fund properly the academy system that we've developed in Queensland and actually Darwin as well now. And, you know, I think when I joined the Suns, we had about 40-odd kids in the academy system. When I left, it's heading towards 1,300 across those three academy sites, Cairns, Gold Coast and Darwin. Now, ultimately what that does is helps you to build your own um, – it's like talent pool. Talent pool, like correct. Like a Super 2 series of supercars. Yeah. You know, you've got your own So uh, there's a whole heap of learnings that I've now studied in, you know, European soccer, for example, and um, obviously clearly the AFL because I've just given some examples in the AFL. There's a whole heap of learnings now that has taken me from being somebody, say, 15 years ago who I thought, no, you can't control that in VR supercar land. That's mission impossible. So don't even try and go there. I'm now flipped over to the other side of the fence and now I believe there are equalisation th- ideas and systems that could be at least looked at. And I and if I was there today, and I'm clearly not there today, but if I was there today I'd be putting a little subgroup together to really do a really deep dive into that to try and try and make that a bit more interesting because every fan deserves their, their moment. Every fan deserves to go to an Adelaide 500 and, and their team has half a shot of, you know, finishing up the grid. They, you shouldn't have to go every year and your car basically is or you're the team that you support is pretty much a proverbial going to finish, you know, in either second to last, third to last or last place. That. I actually, I've changed my view on that over the last 15 years because I've been exposed to what is possible on the other side of the fence. It's an interesting one too because when I think about it from a supercar's perspective, as we've gone along, so the new cars are so the same. So we've gone over time to 
you know, teams with more money because it's just always the nature of it. Of course. The bigger teams have more money so they get the better engineers, they've got more testing tools. Okay, they don't go testing on the track as much but they've got other ways to do things on computer sims and they can buy the best endurance co-drivers and all that sort of stuff. They can, they yeah, can do Yeah, when it's a finish. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, in the AFL world, if you let them completely run away, oh. Collingwood would have a support staff for the 25 players their key 25 players, that would be bigger than the 25 players. Yeah, and right? that's, and that's so, the key element that I reckon here where we've made the cars so same. So now if you run a Chev, you all get your Chev Camaro engine from the same place and the same with the Ford and it's cost reason and I totally get it. But the cars now, there's, so, there's such a lack of differences between them that then you've got to look at, and that's why I wanted to bring up this topic with you, if you have a salary cap, budget cap, call it what you will of types in certain places – it means that you have to choose. All right, everyone's got the same car. Mm. You can't do much different. You can't go and develop like you used to and build your own suspension uprights. Mm. You can't go and buy the new this or spend more money on your engine program and you'll, you might get five more horsepower. But, but spend, by the way, that's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. So what I'm saying is because the cars are all so close now and so same that if you can provide – it's like trying to provide variables to make a race interesting. Different compound tyres, different fuel stops, different pit stop strategies – Got to do that almost in our world outside of that. So if you're a race team and you're, you've got a set budget that you can spend on workshop staff, just as an example, all right, we've only got so much here because there's the market pressures are such that, okay, well, that engineer, he wants this you much. You just sound like you're fundamentally but, agreeing with me, by the way. Oh, no, I am. That's what ah, I'm saying okay. is because the way that the sport's gone with the cars, that if you look at these other elements, that forcing people to make a choice, you can't have it all, but you can go, all right, well, do we pick – three really good engineers and spend lots of money on them, but we're going to have to get – we can only spend this much You've money on mechanics. So uh, I'm not going to name gotta, na- I'm choose. not going to name names, but you can't have a world, which some people in supercar land think is a great world, where one team or one driver just dominate everything. Week in, week out, event in, event out, and it's a great place. This is terrific. It's not terrific. It's shit for TV ratings. It's terrible for the fan base except for the fans that support you. But even the fans that support you, what's the point in going to every race if one team wins every race? We I mean, did have a period of that in V8s, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. HRT and, or they won everything for Yeah, 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 yeah. And I worked overtime trying to rebalance the, the whatever I could. Well, championship points whatever is one could, thing. So at least it went to the last round. Yeah. So, you know, um, but uh, having said that, I'm, I'm not sitting here today saying, oh, we had a perfect in during my era. Uh, we didn't. We had lots of problems and lots of things we didn't get right. But this is something that, you know, I think the organisation needs to, you know, I mean, they're not going to listen to me anyway, but this is something the organisation should deep dive on. Mm. Oh, I think it's worth looking into because it's, it's a way to create some differences that different teams can then have a way to go, all right, we've got that much money that we can spend on a certain thing well, we'll have five of that and two of that instead of two of that and five of that in terms of staff, in terms of yeah. something. Just, just a thought, just a theory, just a theory, just a theory. Um, one of the things that's been in the news lately and I want, wanted to ask you, I remember vividly, and we're, we're jumping from motor racing here. We've done a fair bit of motor racing, so let's jump to some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, because of his health and because of the recent doco, John Farnham's been in the, the mm. news a bit around the place. And it takes me back to the main event tour that mm-hmm. you were involved with, with him with Olivia Newton-John Matthew and Anthony Warlow was 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 awesome. Um, that CD got a massive run in the Noonan household back in the day too. By the way, it was the biggest selling music CD there for a it was huge, uh, huge eight hundred thousand copies or something. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was yeah. insane. 
Can you tell me a cool fucking I have an story? aria because of it. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Tony's got a Tony. Tony's Do you reckon there's anyone called Emmy who's got an Emmy or Oscar <laughs> that's got an Oscar, by I'm the way? sure there's an Oscar who's I got have, an Oscar. Yeah, I might have I'm not so sure about the Emmy one. Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Can you tell me a cool Farnsy story? Is there a good Farnham story? Uh, John's just one of the great blokes on the planet. Um, you know, he's a... Uh, again, I'm going to use a word, authentic. I mean, he, he's um, he, he's just a great bloke, you know. I mean, he's a quintessential Aussie, you know, um, shitloads of talent. He's one of those guys that just doesn't understand how good he is. Uh, I, th- I think deep down he does because you can't have that good a voice and not not, <laughs> not appreciate it. Um, uh, but he was just a delight to work with, you know, funny as – you know, obviously had a serious side to him when he needed to. Um, somebody who did an amazing job of rebuilding his career, having gone through a shocking adversity um, uh, and what have you. Um, you know, I, I, John and I have laughed over a beautiful glass of red wine on the story, but, you know, the very first time I ever hired John Farnham was to do the South Australia sesquicentenary 150th big um, gala show they had on, on uh, New Year's Day and in that year, whatever that was, must have been about 87 or something like that. I paid him $1,000. <laughs> um, and, you know, then we ended up doing, you know, what did I do, three Farnham tours, including the main event tour. So, you know, um, his check was slightly larger. Um, <laughs> and uh, John and I had a standard, a standard joke actually every night after a show because uh, we're doing sellout business, it was phenomenal. That was just phenomenal shows, huge grosses at the box office and everything. And uh, I'd go backstage and always bring him a new bottle of red. He loves his red. We well, used to love his red. Um, he probably, I hope, he, I hope the old bugger's still out there having a nice glass. Um, but he, um, <laughs> he'd say to me, uh, "So tell me, Mister Promoter, have we broken even yet?" <laughs> and I go, "No, not quite." But one more show, I think we can get there. <laughs> and that was a standard gag. Uh, but that's Farnsy. I mean, he's just a just a terrific bloke to work with. Uh, you know, appreciated by the crew, by the musicians, by his fellow, you know, people that he worked with, with like, the likes of Olivia and and Anthony. I mean, everybody really f- completely enjoyed the experience of working with John Farnham and. Um, because he made it that way. He he created an environment that you you love participating in. He was very open to ideas and suggestions. No greater idea or suggestion than the thought we came up with was to, you know, for he and um, Anthony Warlow to uh, to sing the the Spanish um, uh, opera piece together um, that we did in the main event. I mean, that was really not in John's playbook at all, <laughs> and the, he carried it off magnificently, and it was. A huge success. So, yeah, great guy, great guy. One of the best guys I've ever worked with. Because remember he, he did a concert at Sydney at the one of those 500s at Olympic Park. He was part of that concert lineup at some stage. In uh, was it? 20, uh, whatever year it would have been. Was it Sydney? I didn't think it was Sydney. Yeah, I was there. I was okay. there. Right. and Collectors were there. Fancy okay. was there. Yeah. There you go. It's good. There you That's go. Good. I forgot that it was Sydney. Yeah. I, I don't know why I thought it was the Gold Coast. But anyway, you're probably right. Done a few concerts in your time. Yeah, I know. Few, There's done a, done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So journey, I get them all mixed in, in, into each other. It's like car races, don't, mate. I'm a little bit the same. Nothing good comes out of old age, let me warn you. Oh, don't tell me that. I'm going to no, get I'm old. Sorry. Don't, don't yeah. tell me that. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online. Thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, 
and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. One of the things I loved, we've, we've talked a little bit of footy, but and you, you know I'm a big footy fan and follow it closely and, and really love it because I get plenty of barbs on Instagram from you about various things to do with the, the Hawthorne Football Club. But mm-hmm. I loved, I don't get to consume as much of the AFL football media as I would probably like from a time perspective, mm-hmm. but I loved it. I mean, we, we, we knew you so well and we had, what, 15 years with you in motorsport full-time in supercars. It was hilarious to sit and watch you in the football world and watch all these journalists and commentators and media people who had, I don't think they dealt with, they deal with plenty of egos and plenty of dick swinging and plenty of stuff in footy, but I don't reckon they knew what to take and make of when TC turned up at the Suns. I don't reckon they – it looked like – I got off on it. I thought it was hilarious. I used to laugh so much. The look on their face when you'd launch into a whatever it was that you were tirading about that week or standing up for against the league or whoever you were having a swing at or whatever you were doing, I honestly didn't think that they knew how to take you. It was hilarious to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I've enjoyed that world as much as the, the V8 Supercar world, to be honest. And, you know, like everything, I've got some mates in the media there who, you know, I get them really well with and really enjoy their company. And um, I think they do a really professional job. And there's other people probably in the AFL media world that, you know, think I'm a dickhead and, you know, don't want to you know about friends me. with everyone, can but, you? But, well, you know, but that's just part and cut of the thrust oh, of life. I, I yeah. don't really, I don't really mind that so much, I, you know. Um, I can tell you that a whole lot of them have contacted me since I stepped down and said, oh my God, it's got a little boring since um, <laughs> because, you know, a, a big, but again, you see, I think that I don't think, I know it for a fact because I've had their feedback. Um, so many of them appreciated, oh, actually, here's a guy who answers a question honestly and who calls it a spade a shovel and who, you know, isn't afraid to, you know, stand up because what happens in big sport is people get very scared about taking on, for example, we're talking about the AFL, so don't hide the, you know, people won't stand up to a, you know, a sport like the AFL because they're too worried, you know, how will it affect you and you'll be squashed or you'll be curtailed or you'll have your funding cut or, you know, a thousand and one different reasons. Mm. Um uh, and, you know, in a lot of media's eyes, I was a refreshing voice because I'd say, I'd raise all the hard questions about, you want to put a team in Tasmania? Sure. But how about this? Mm. Or how about that? And yes, some didn't like it, you know. Um, some didn't think it was my place to say anything, but a whole lot did. And I got to tell you, love me or hate me, if the Tasmanian deal happens, it's going to be a better deal because I spoke up and raised a lot of issues and made them look again at how to go about it and how not to go about it. So, again, I don't, I'm not apologetic for it. That's, that's, you know, people, I often say people love taking the best of me. Well, if you want to take the best of me, you know, you're going to cop a bit of crap as well because, you know, it's a, it's a package deal. You just can't. You just can't, <laughs> can't get one without the other. You can't get one without the other. That's just how I. That's how I flow. That's very true. Um, grand final in Brisbane, twenty twenty. Tigers and Geelong. You put together you and Thea and your team put together the entertainment there. If budget is not an option, logistics are not an option. Any existing deals are not an option. If it's Tony just sitting there at his grand final, that's not at the MCG somewhere else where he'd like it to be at some other stage. What's your dream grand final halftime lineup? Because uh, well, everyone's got an opinion on okay, this. Okay, well, see, so now you're getting into a really contentious area that I'm not going to let up with. I am going to still be a voice out there talking about this. Um, 
Uh, in fact, I had a discussion only the other day with Jared, he- uh, Jared Waitley, sorry, on this very issue. On SEN, uh, of course. Uh, no, no, this was just he and I talking. Oh, right. I wasn't on radio. I was trying to do a radio plug there for SEN supercars yeah. that I commentate, oh, but sorry. I won't do it now. No, I won't don't, do it. Don't no, do that. Done. That it's sounds cheap and corny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I just did it, actually. The, the um, AFL Grand Final unashamedly should be moved to at least twilight or nighttime, and we proved that with both Brisbane and Perth Grand Big Finals. Numbers. Massive TV numbers. And viewer numbers. We were locked that, in our houses in Melbourne. That's <laughs> point. Well, that's your problem. And point number two is that um, the entertainment component should primarily move to half time, as we did in Brisbane, like the Super uh, Bowl, like the Super Bowl, uh, because I think it's the perfect break material. And you're so if you did the grand final at twilight, you would get it, you know, in dark, which is when you can present all of that sort of show, so much better. Because at the end of the day, the grand final is a show. Yes, I know, of course, it's our sacred game of footy and, of course, the two teams in it are centre stage. However, we have a lot of fringe watchers. Totally. Right? Bathurst is the same in car race. Bathurst is the same, same in car race. So you've got to cater for everybody. And if, if you accept that as a responsibility and you're mad if you don't, then you've got to cater for everybody. And my third point um, on the AFL grand final is I really believe that it should be three years in Melbourne, MCG, and then every fourth year it should go out to tender and be moved around Australia. Now, uh, and then back for three years at the MCG and then fourth year. Okay, so it might go to Adelaide one year, Perth one year, the Gatlin one year. uh, And they can all bid, all those state governments, all those venues can bid um, because, again, it's, you know, it gives fans right across Australia a chance to go to a grand final week. Not every, not every fan, believe it or not, can afford to pay through the nose because that's what the airlines do to t- trips to Melbourne. And they might not even be able to get access to ticketing because uh, the grand final is so hubbed towards corporates that yeah. uh, for a lot of fans who follow their team all season, the prelim, if their team's good enough to get that far, that's kind of their grand final. Yeah. Because well, after that, grand final tickets are rare as hen's teeth for a lot of people. And they always will be as rare as hen's teeth because, you know, you've got a very, very special day that, that a whole lot of people want to be at. And mm. so, you know, anytime you, that the AFL grand final, anytime you've got uh, an event that can seat 100,000, but you've got potentially 2 million that want to go, guess what? People Sorry. are going to miss out. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I just think there's a whole heap of improvements that could be done to the experience of the AFL Grand Final and the AFL world and, you know, I might go to my grave still arguing those points but, you know, I'm not going to stop arguing those points because uh, I think they're really, really, really valid points. Um, you know, in terms of who would you put on at half time? Who's your dream lineup? Who do uh, you like? What, what would? Ah, uh, look, you know, there's so many good artists around I know, now. I know, I know, but what's your personal favourite? What are you into? What are you, what's your music? Oh taste. well, I my my god, my music taste is all over the shop. So I'm a massive um, blues and jazz fan, right through to you know hardcore rock. So I mean, I'm you're, you're I, I'm as a, wide in your music as you've been in your work career. I am, yeah. I'm incredibly. I've got a very, very. I always have had a very, very diverse interest in music and music styles, music tastes. Um, you know, um, and I, I, you know, I love a lot of artists from you know. All eras, I'm not one of these people who's locked in. You know, you've got to lo- love what's around currently or you've got to love, you know, something from the 50s or you've got to love something from the 80s. Or um, I've always been very, very wide in my appeal across music genres and tastes. Um, so I'm not going to name somebody. Well played, well played. 
two questions. However, when I did get the chance, yes, to I open, was say, yeah, but, yeah, but when I did get the chance to open the Adelaide Oval after it was rebuilt, you might have noticed that we presented the Rolling Stones. I was going to say the Stones were there. Mm. I did look up an old video online, and it was one of those ten questions with things from way back when. And I think you said your all-time favourite musical artist was Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. What if we could get the boss for a grand final? Well, he'd be great. I don't How think he'd do it. I don't think he'd do it. But, I don't think he but, would. But, but um, he, he's, a, he, you know, 73 years of age, still doing what he does best. Awesome. I, I love it. And he is, for anybody that out there is listening that's been to him, they, they know this next point so true. He just so delivers. You know, you get three hours of mm. pure, unadulterated, high-quality Bruce Springsteen. Others had a great band. Um, you know, his albums are just sensational and, you know, I mean, Western Stars with a 30-piece orchestra to me is just as good as, you know, um, you know, Born to Run album which was preceded by 30-odd years. Yeah, he's amazing, he's amazing. Would you ever write a book? Would I ever what? Write a book. <laughs> I've been asked lots of times. I figure. I, I figure I I'm not asking, by the way, because we do do books, but I'm just saying <laughs> would you ever because no, a lot of people get asked a lot over time. I don't know. Got to I, for some I used to say no categorically. I don't say no categorically anymore. So does that mean that I'm changing in my as as my age is moving past me and I'm trying to drink finer and finer wines <laughs> and better and better rye whiskey? Um, does that mean that I'm changing my attitude to it? Maybe, but I don't know. But no, I'm a, kind of. I'm 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 fence sitting now. I used to be a strong no. Now I'm fence sitting. Ask me in ten years' time. I'll give you an answer. I'd say it's it's not no, it's not yes, it's a maybe. It's in the yeah, middle. I feel you know, like you're in the middle ish. I, I gotta be honest, I'm not that convinced that, you know, anybody's gonna buy it. I mean I might sell seven copies, but um well some people might buy it to burn it. Um hey, but they've still bought it, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, wonder. Never, I love reading never. books, but I don't know whether I want to write one. You got a book that you're reading at the moment? What are you? I am. I'm. I'm reading a biography on um, on Keith Richards at the moment. Ah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. I'm a prolific reader. I read a lot. I love. I was going to say, we're in your place, and I said to you when I walked. You're in actually here, in my library. I know. I love. Yeah. I say to my wife whenever she looks at houses online and things like that, darling, I'm not interested unless it has a great bookshelf because <laughs> I love bookshelves, and you've got an amazing bookshelf, and I love your bookshelf. Yeah. So. No, it's a beautiful um, room. I love this very, room. It's so I've got a. I'm a massive vinyl collector. I've got nearly 500 vinyl albums and uh, not all but most of my vinyls are stored in this room and and I've got a fantastic stereo in this room so I very quietly can sit here uh, with, you know, myself and a nice glass of something and, and enjoy life. Read away and listen away. Yeah. It might be. When I went back through things before I was coming to see you, one of the things that sprung to my brain and actually our boys at work actually thought the same thing when I asked them, What's not very prolific over the time is ever seeing you at an event, if ever, I'm not sure, can't find any photos or stories about it online, going for a hot lap. Have you actually <laughs> been for a hot lap in a supercar? I have. Tony, I'm presuming with Scafie somewhere way back. No, funnily enough, Scafie was going to um, and they really wanted me to do one in my last Bathurst but I, I, I was – this is a true story so I was really very – without giving it away, well, I don't think I gave it away, I was very, very emotionally charged. You know, I was on that fine line between being a blithering wreck or being... Taking on the world and... Taking on the world. Because <laughs> you do, you, you know, if you do what I do, you actually, people probably don't realise this, you actually do become quite emotional about things. And, 
you know, I'm sort of being in a moment of honesty here. And that last Bathurst, I was on the way out. I clearly, it was no secret, I'd been having massive fighting with the venture capitalist guy that had bought it. Um, we were, you know, a form of war with each other, I guess. And, uh, you know, it, in September, I'd announced that I was leaving. Um, um, and so October, that October was my, I knew it was my last, everybody knew it was my last Bathurst. I mean, you know, I actually, we had some sort of reception. I remember on the Thursday night in the pit, above the pit lane building, it was, ba- it was, I'm pretty sure it was Larry's last Bathurst too. Because I remember making a comment about oh, I have to go because Larry's going, and without Larry here, I don't want to be here or something. I made I made some fun I think out of maybe it. Maybe was finishing with his licenses at the Kellys or that, something that, like that. That, that could have been that it. Rings a bell. Yeah. Rings a bell. yeah. Um, uh, I remember making a joke about it. and and but that Bathurst was really I don't know why, but it was incredibly emotional for me. And I thought if I do a hot lap, I'll get out of the car and I'll pass out I'll be a, or I'll be a blithering mess or I'll make an idiot of myself on national TV because they, you know cameras couldn't help but say oh look Cochrane's looking like a mess let's get a photograph of this so I didn't do it there but many many years before that Tony Longhurst gave me one in a Ford and I can't remember where we were I got a feeling we were at Eastern Creek but I'm not certain about that um, that's the only one to my knowledge that I ever did actually did but plenty volunteered over the years and plenty just assumed I had and mm. I, I was happy to let it be that way. Um, Scafe, I think in the end as a compromise suggested that I ride with him in the car, you know, the, in the driver's Oh, the driver's parade. parade. I got so a feeling I did car. the driver's parade lap. Um, that was kind of your hot lap then. Yeah, it slow, was kind, kind of a slow hot lap. But again, it, you know, I, I mean, despite all the talk about the war at Bathurst and everything else, Bathurst was pretty special to me in the sense that, you know, I really I really took to the place and I, I fought tooth and nail. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I lost a lot of bark getting 30-odd million dollars out of federal and state governments to get that place rebuilt and that, you know, that pit lane building you know, I'm not trying to be big-headed here. That wouldn't be there without me. And I, I put a lot of effort into improving Bathurst and making Bathurst a better place. And I had people that appreciated it, you know, like Ian McIntosh, who we spoke of earlier, who's unfortunately no longer with us. And, you know, we're, there's been a couple of other mayors and a couple of other, you know, people up at Bathurst that, you know, they, they, did, they did sort of get to see that I had Bathurst at heart and I really wanted to improve the lot of the joint. And so I really enjoyed it I've, and I've never been back since. It's kind of weird. That, that was what I was about to say. You, you haven't you have been to V eight events like yeah, Gold have. Coast. We've seen you and yeah, stuff like that. And yeah, I think you had the Grand Prix a few years ago too. Yeah, yeah. I, so we haven't seen you back at Bathurst. No, I haven't. Sixtieth anniversary this year, TC. It's I know, I know, I know. Maybe if they invite me, I might turn up. But uh, you know, I, I just I don't know. I, I haven't gone back and. You know, maybe I haven't gone back because I don't feel part of the furniture anymore. It's fair enough. So, you know. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of campers at the top of the hill who will give you a deck chair <laughs> and a couple of cans or a slab and uh, keep you on a couple yeah. of days. I'm sure now beer. that I've said that, we'll get emails after this podcast. Yeah, I, don't drink, I, I, I need to warn them I don't drink beer. Well, <laughs> we'll find you a nice bottle of something. Right whiskey, yeah. I spoke to you earlier in the year, I think it was March maybe, and you, you're no longer involved with the, the SX Global stuff and the Supercross that you were that you were um, 
you were involved with, and you said to me at the time that you were clearing the decks and freeing yourself up. That was the quote that we, we ran in the story. Do you know what you're freeing yourself up for? Have you got something in mind? Are you working on something? What's your world right now? Because I'm, uh, I'm sure our listeners, as much as when we put the call out to questions, and I've got a couple of fan questions we'll get to quickly soon, um, overwhelmingly nine-tenths of them, probably 95% of them were, please come back. So, but having said I that, haven't left probably, anywhere. I'm probably, still here. Probably a lot of them are the people who used to uh, come up to you at tracks 20 years ago and give you shit. But um, where are you at in your world? What, what are you doing now? Yeah, What's well, um, okay, so. Uh, oh, and obviously the, the Gold Coast Suns championship. Uh, yeah, yeah. So at, at the so SX Global, um, I, I totally said to the boys, I'll jump in, do the first year, you know, go hard, uh, go hard or go home sort of thing. And I did do that and. Uh, truthfully, the the travel was sort of killing me. Um, I I just was because uh, for those who might listen to this podcast who aren't in a Supercross, we're talking about the Globe, FIM it, Supercross it, World yeah, Championship. Yeah, it's a world. So, so we're we not talking about Australian. We're talking about world. No, we're, so I was flying. I was flying everywhere. I was having meetings in every corner of the world, and you know all that crap. And um, uh, you know, getting towards the end of last year, I I mean, I kind of disagreed with um, you know um, the 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 board I was you know they wanted to go in a particular direction and I didn't support that direction and I'm for I'm the, at, for the series and for yeah the, the race yeah and well and how it was being financed and what have you and 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 that's fair enough they're in, you know I, I'm at a stage of life where I just I had a really quick think about that and I thought you know what I I I don't have the fight in me I don't want to you know. I don't want to, you know, force the issue here and, and get in a blue and, and all of that. Um, so I, I bailed at the end of last year. Um, uh, I got out and I wish the boys all the best and, you know, I hope that they have a bright and healthy and happy future. And, you know, uh, I know, you know, Adam in particular has worked really hard to, you know, um, keep the home fires burning and, and move it forward. Um, and he does that with nothing but my best of wishes. Um, it, it just wasn't. It just wasn't for me. Um, I was probably twenty years ago. Probably you. Got yeah, if I was. You, it's, if I was fifty, I would have had a different attitude, perhaps. Um, well, no, I would have had a different attitude. Um, Gold Coast Suns, a little bit the same. I'd done nine years. It's an honorary role. It's incredibly intensive. It, behind the scenes, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of travel, admittedly all around Australia, but it, um, and I just felt that it was time to move on. You know, I think one of the things in that kind of role, in an honorary role in particular, I think one of the key things is that you need to have a turnover. You need to refresh and revive a footy club or a sporty organisation or what have you. And um, particularly in, as I said, an honorary role, um, different if people are being paid and, you know, they've got new incentives each year going forward and what have you. Um, so I, I, I really did feel that my time was was right to hand on to uh, to Bob and, and um, or what became Bob. And um, so I I, um, I gave them plenty of notice and I, I stepped down at the start of the first game this year because I took over in the first game of the relevant year. So – it just went. It, sort of it bookended up, me. It bookended up. me nicely. I, I have to be honest. I thought I, I, one of my biggest problems at the time about stepping down was I thought this is going to be the year we make finals, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to miss out on that. And you know, and then I thought, no, hang on, hang on. That's all selfish, Cocker. You're not. You're not thinking about the club. You're thinking about yourself now. So the moment you're doing that, you, that's a 
good sign that he should step down anyway. But you, you'll derive the satisfaction of seeing them in a final. Even you bet. That you're not the chairman. You go to games, you're still – Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're, yeah, still, you're a son's man. It's not like yeah, you yeah, go, yeah. well, I'm not the chairman anymore, so I'm off the Oh, no, 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 no. I'm still fully – I'm 120% invested and I'm with, I want nothing but great success for the footy club. Uh, and and our, again, our fans, our supporters, because they've done the hard yards. Uh, and I think success is coming their way. I think, you know, we, our patience might have run out, but the good news is that the, uh, I think everything's conspiring to give us a very bright next five years. Um, we'll see, but I, I'm, I'm convinced I'm on board. Um, I think landing hard work is sensational. Um, so, yeah, and I, 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 I wanted to clear the decks a bit. I've sort of got a little mini farm, as we call it, um, TJ and I, and, and I've been. I can't pitch you as a farmer. Oh I? well, I'm not a farmer, but <laughs> I, I'm just enjoying messing around and 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 a bit of that. And we're going to build a nice weekender and uh, get away from it all a little bit. So I wanted to free up some time to do that, and I kind of wanted to um, to reset, do some new things. Um, you know, I've joined a couple of new boards, and and so um, there's never a dull moment. I'm really heavily invested in bringing a really major event to uh, my old town of South Australia, so uh, of Adelaide. So I'm, I'm sort of working behind the scenes on that at the moment and, you know, I'm, um, you know, because I still love the old place. I mean, the old town is um, is terrific. I think the new Premier is sensational. I think he's a real fine and people in South Australia are very, very lucky. Um because getting good quality politicians is one of the true rare moments of the world. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 kind of um, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm, I unfortunately my birth certificate says that you know I'm at an age where I can't go as hard as I used to, and I hate that. <laughs> hate it. To be truthful, for the record, how old are you now? No, no, there's no record. Twenty six. Yeah, no, no. You're, you're being very kind. I'm, oh, I'm, I was a bit I'm, I'm, I'm encroaching on my fifties. Right. Nicely done. Nicely done. Um, are you finished with motorsport? Is there anything in motorsport that clearly you you know you are I, you like your cars? You yes. I'm never sport, I'm never finished with anything. I'm, I'd never ever put a line. You'll never hear me say that's it. I'm done. You'll never see me again, or I'll never do that again, or I'll never be interested in that again. That's just not me. It's just not part of my kind of makeup. So yeah, I always have an interest in motorsport, and you know who's to say that something won't happen that might tweak my interest and I go, yeah, let's have a good hard look at that. Um, so, but I'd say that about anything, you know, within reason. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, you've clearly learned from the conversation today. I still watch and I still try and, you know, at least have a, a keen interest. It might be as obviously as strong as interest as I once had, but I still have a keen interest in it. You know, my old mate uh, Shane Howes, a CEO, and uh, I'm super proud of that. You know, he's a great guy and he was um, a tremendous uh, COO in my whole time at, or pretty much my whole time at Supercars. Um, so, you know, and I clearly still know a lot of the people up and down the pit lane, not as many as I used to and, mm. you know, it's changed enormously and, yep. Uh, yep. and I get that and that's part of life, you know, that's mm. just that's just what happens. Um, but, um, yeah, look, I, I, I to, to some degree, and I've mentioned it a couple of times today, I kind of felt like it was my baby there for a big period of my life and so naturally you stay invested, you know. 
just because the child grows up doesn't mean to say you, you lose interest once they hit 15. Yeah, for sure. When you said what you said before about the motocross and the energy to, you know, take on something pretty big and to all the travel and stuff that come with it. So are you going to just do things that please you, that the things that you're excited about, the things that interest you rather than going – there might be an opportunity here that's got a pile of money attached to it, but it's not really a thing and you're not really into it. But there's something over here that you go, oh, that's actually really pressed my buttons. That yeah, looks like fun. Well, I but, want to pick what I want to do these days. I, I would like to think throughout life, by and large, I pick things that I thought motivated me and were fun for me rather than necessarily made me money. I, if you, money's if you never been the ladder, my, then the other thing happens. Yeah, money's never been my God. What's tended to happen in my life is because I've loved something and I've done a really good job with it, the money's tended to follow. I, 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 I wouldn't say money's my God. I haven't set out to be. I, I, I see no value in being the richest man in the cemetery. Mm. I mean, I've had a couple of friends like that and I don't, I don't understand it, And which is fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. But um, that's, that's, that's kind of like never really, you know, I mean, you, you, you could offer me all the money in dirt to do something and if I didn't want to do it, I'd, I'm certainly at the stage of life where I would go, th- no thanks. So, yeah, no, that doesn't motivate me and and clearly I can't go as hard as I used to and I, I actually tested that last year in the in the SX Global world, you know, because I, I thought I could. Mm. And But, you know, when you're doing round world trips and you're getting back and you're only back for a week and then you're jumping on the jet again and you're off to London and then you're coming back and then you're off to the Middle East and you're in the Middle East for a week and it, it uh, I found it too tough. I So, no, I can't go as hard as I used to and I'm – and, the, the you know, the really interesting thing about you get to a point in life where um, – well, for me anyway um, – where I think – because you've had so much experience, you're actually a pretty good head to just have sitting around a table at a, mm. you know, at a board or something like that. And because you've got so many life experiences, and you can, you know, share those with people that are perhaps trying to work out what the hell's going on. And uh, so I, I've enjoyed that experience. I've enjoyed that experience in the AFL world. You know, I learned um, the great part about my nine years in the AFL world was I learn a shitload. I mean, they they do some things brilliantly, and it's a very very overall it's a very well run sport. Um, uh, but equally, I, I think I gave them some learnings too. You know, I think I had some things to you know. I mean, uh, and it wasn't just me, Travis. All there was a number of people that worked our butts off to make it happen. But when we had that first COVID year, we came up with the idea of having the first hub here on the Gold Coast with four teams and then the first hub became the second hub, became the third hub and then we had 15 teams up here. We had, you know, something like 1,500 people living on the Gold Coast from the AFL world. Um, It was an outstanding financial success for the Gold Coast at the time because the Gold Coast was down and out because Mm. tourism had stopped. Um, So It helped keep the game going that otherwise would have stopped. Yeah, uh, but I certainly, you know, I certainly played my part in that and I I was really proud of that. I was really, you know, um, uh, as a firstly as a football fan but secondly as, you know, part of the AFL community, I was really, really proud that we got that year away and we still managed to get, make ourselves, I mean, we lost money as a sport but we kept ourselves you know, not in not bad shape compared to you know we could have been six or seven hundred million down that year if we had mm. a really shut shop, and then of course it was capped off by the, um, you know, by my conviction to make the grand final work in Brisbane and which we did, and you know, again, really really proud moment. Um, you know, the Gab is not the greatest venue, <laughs> which we're now going to spend a king's ransom rebuilding, but the you know even despite the Gabba being a pretty um, old shitty venue 
Uh, we pulled off a great grand final. We had, you know, a maximum crowd were allowed, which I think was 32,000 or something. We had a 32,000 there. We had, you know, a fantastic uh, record at that stage, uh, audience watching on TV. And, um, you know, we, um, I think, you know, we showed off to the rest of Australia that, you know, a night grand final can work and the halftime entertainment was terrific and got lots of kudos out of that and TJ did a fantastic job with that and, you know, we were well supported by the AFL management, you know, particularly Gil and uh, Trav and Kylie at the time and uh, and others. Um, so, you know, um, I, I still I still get a buzz and kick out of doing shit. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's the, that's the quip. I still get a buzz out of doing shit. I love it. Good shit though, good yeah. shit. Um, we put a call out to our uh, fans and our followers for our – we call them our National Motor Racing Museum at, at Mount Panorama, place mm. that is near oh, yeah. dear to your heart, where they have some amazing stuff on display there. Yeah, they do. Uh, our couch racer questions. Uh-oh. Where those fans get to ask a few questions. So uh, these are not from me. These are from them. Uh, here's so the if you don't like that's them – That's a get-out-of-jail-free card. I just yeah, waved it yeah, in the air. Yeah. Uh, Carl Williams wants to ask, did you know – that you were known affectionately, or not sometimes, as the black wiggle during the black skivvy that you would wear. Uh, Have you been called the black wiggle a bit over the journey? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm no. I'm not sure who the red wiggle, blue wiggle, or yellow wiggle of supercars were. Uh, well, I'm I don't sure. know whether there are any of those. But, yeah, no, I, knew, I obviously knew. Lots of people told me, lots of people would come up to me in the paddock and call me the back black wiggle. So very first time, of course, somebody called me that. I, what the fuck are you talking about? Huh? <laughs> but I, 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 I I got to find out how and, and all of that. And uh, let's set the record straight. It wasn't a black skivvy. It was actually um, a black T-shirt. Get it right. Get it right. But it, that's not as good for the story. Sorry. I'm it's, sorry. I was just trying don't to stuff the story. Anyway, good, good question, on, Carl. Good but, yes, I knew – I did know that. That was one of many names I've been called over my illustrious career. Uh, speaking of which, when you were young – were you Anthony when you're in trouble and Tony otherwise, or were you Anthony? Uh, There's only one person on the planet ever called me Anthony. It was my mother. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured, I figured, mm. I figured. Uh, Rolf Mammers, how do you think Dimmer goes at the Suns? Oh, he, he he'll be super. I mean, it gets back to what I said earlier. I think I think I said it earlier. I've done a few interviews this week, um, but if it wasn't in this interview, it was in another interview. That you know, put it in perspective. The whole of Queensland's only ever had one AFL coach, Lee Matthews. And now we've got Premiership coach. Premiership yeah, coach, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Premiership yeah, coach. Yeah. No, you I did apologize. say that. Yep. So, you know, I, that says it all. That mm. says it all. Three-time Premiership coach. Uh, he's inherited the Suns when they've got a great list. You know, we've worked very hard over a number of years to develop a very good, exciting young list. I think the list is terrific. I think there's a lot of great guys there. There's a tremendous camaraderie. They all want to be there for each other, which is really important. And we've got a fantastic talent lineup down in the pipeline with our academy program that's brilliantly set up and the academy people and, and Mark and, and um, you know, everybody, uh, Craig Cameron and um, everybody at the club is responsible for this, the success of that. So, yeah, I think I think it's tremendous timing and I, I, think, uh, I think he's just what the Gold Coast Suns needed right at this particular moment. Proven winner. Three premierships with the Tigers, but everyone sort of forgets that he actually won flag as a player for Essendon and Port as yeah. well as the one, the ones that he coached. Yeah, he's, so, he's five time yeah, premiership five, holder he's done it with mm. the boots on and in the coach's box as well. Gary Frampton, we always get someone asking food questions. Oh, where do you stand? This is a big topic. This is this is probably bigger than any topic we've discussed in this sit down chat. Wow, how are you with pineapple on pizza? I I, I don't mind it. 
You mean like a Hawaiian pizza, I assume, yeah, Gary meant. Because yeah. um, some people are very no and no, everyone's I, else very I, yes. I, I love pizza um, of all sorts actually and I, I, I can't say it's my regular pick. I can't say that, you know, that, oh, yeah, that's my favourite or anything like that but I, I don't mind it. Um, if if that's the most offensive thing thrown at me today, then I'll <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll eat my pineapple <laughs> or my Hawaiian pizza and leave. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ben Fitzsimmons asks, uh, ask Tony about how he discovered who owned or more importantly who didn't own touring car racing in Australia. He reckons it's a great story. Is there a bit of a story in all that of who owned what and where? I think that might have been quite a – what we've sort of covered to a degree. Yeah, well, no, I think, I think what he's referring to – sorry, who was the listener's name? Uh, ben Fitzsimmons. Ben. I think what Ben's alluding to um, – I'm not sure, but I think what he's alluding to is my um, original story of when I took – formed a Vesco, had all the teams on site, and then I had to have a set up a meeting with kind of all the stakeholders because one of the problems was that Group A touring cars, all these different bodies thought they owned it or part of it. And there were lots of acronyms to learn as well. And there were. So I got everybody in the room, whether it was Shell, whether it was Channel 7, the ARDC, CAMS, it was just a massive thing. Tiger being the team. Yeah, everyone had an acronym. Of course, Tiger, who was represented in the meeting by – I remember Bob Forbes and Wayne Caddick were the two guys representing Tiger. And, um, again, doing my famous whiteboard trip. So uh, who uh, who owns this category? Or oh, part owns it? Nobody moved. After a while, I think it was Shell put up their head first and said, we own 50%. Oh, okay, 50%. And so where's yeah, the other 50%? Yeah, so, so no, no, I kept asking around the room and, you know, everybody had various claims, you know. They reckoned – anyway, I added it up to 230%. <laughs> um, so, gentlemen, we've got a bit of a problem. And then I said, well, actually, I hate to tell you this, but you you can all argue to the cows come home who owns Group A, whatever. We own a Vesco. That's the teams and SEL and um, – um, that was met with some dour looks and sad faces and many arguments. <laughs> and I think everybody raced off back who thought they really had some ownership and consulted their lawyers only to find out, yes, even if they did own anything, they owned a thing called, you know, something to do with Group A touring cars Well, Group A touring cars were out the window. So, yeah, there was a bit of egg on faces. And, of course, with some people I rapidly had to try and, you know, cuddle up to and sidle up to and try and get them back on site because we wanted to – keep them in the camp and others, you know, we were less interested in and, um, you know, um, we let them wander off into the dark blue yonder and discover that they owned, they could own 100% but they owned 100% of nothing Mm. Um, because, you know, everybody's heard this expression from me a thousand times but we were in partnership, ownership with the stars and cards and Mm. so what you own, without that, what have you got? Mm. Mm. Of all the blues that you had in your time, well-natured, full-on All war. my blues are well-natured. Okay, all the full-on, all the well-natured blues. Was there anyone in the journey that you actually had the most fun with of just pressing their buttons because it was just fun? Oh, lots, particularly the media. <laughs> I mean, I quite often would say to the boys before we went into a press conference, you watch me wind them right up here and, you know, then I'd unleash some stupid statement or make some comment and, Wow, you know, they just go off like a firecracker. It was perfect. Um, I, I used to really enjoy it. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think if you speak to most people, I'm not saying everybody, 
But most people will say, oh, one thing about Coco, he, he blends his kind of natural aggression with a really good dose of humour. And so I've always been able to argy-bargy, but in a way that has made most people, I'm not saying everybody because sometimes it's been all out blue, but most times, you know, most people have gone, you know, ah, God, he's a tough prick, but he's a funny bugger. <laughs> I think it's a really good way to, to finish the chat. TC, great to catch up. Thanks so much for the time. I know the fans have been pleading with us to, to have a catch up with you at some point. We've managed to do that. Um, we've covered a bit of ground actually. Yeah, we have. From, we've talked wiggles, we've talked car racing, we've talked footy, we've talked concerts. Uh, we've had a, a fair bit of a, a chat. We've gone all over the place. So, mate, thank you very much. We can't wait to see what's next for you. Okay, take care and hello to everybody out there. Have fun. And there you have it, my chat with Tony Cochran, as always, open and forthright in typical TC style. Uh, thank you so much to Tony for the time to sit down and also to host. It was great to sit down at TC's place a little while back and have a chat about all things supercars, footy and everything in between. Now, next week, the V8 Salute podcast polished by Bowden's own premium car care. We're going to keep the Queensland theme rolling. Now, TC's a passionate Gold Coaster from the Indy Race to V8 Supercars, the Suns in the AFL. Uh, they're all based up there, of course. So Will, Dale and I are going to step through the history of the Surface Paradise Street Race next week on the pod with a bunch of stuff that we probably haven't looked at, thought of, or talked about for a very long time. Of course, it's all in the lead-up to the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 at the end of October. Now, speaking of Will, what a great job he's doing too. In the chair now of the Castrol Motorsport News podcast, along Stefan Bartholomeus, and you can catch the boys every Tuesday for the award-winning pod that's got the best insight, the best analysis in Australian motorsport. Don't miss an ep. It's available where you're listening to this pod. Right, I'm Aaron Noonan. I'm done. Thanks for tuning in. Send us your feedback on the form on our V8 Sleuth website, and I'll chat with you soon. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au.